This is Out on a Limb Peripheral Infusion Therapy. Our guest is Dr. Sharon Spencer, DNPRN. Dr. Spencer is a clinical assistant professor at the University of Huntsville, Alabama College of Nursing. Her clinical experience includes critical care, outpatient services, and an infusion therapy team. She is a 2018 recipient of the National League of Nursing Alabama League of Nursing Lamplighter Award for Innovation in Teaching with Students, Faculty, and Community Partners. Her research interests include clinical practice issues that deal with infusion therapy. She's co-authored articles relating to peripheral infusion therapy, which we will reference in our show notes for this episode. Thanks for joining us and enjoy the conversation. All right. So, Dr. Spencer, Sharon, can you tell us what is peripheral infusion therapy? Peripheral infusion therapy is giving patients or clients medications through the vein. It is a method of administration, and it is, um, what's the word I want to say? It is invasive. Most times we think that that's a harmless um, procedure that we're performing, but we do have to inform the patient that uh, we're about to break their skin mm-hmm. with catheter, and and it might be slight discomfort, and it's for the purpose of giving medication therapy to either hydrate them, give them pain relief, give them blood, or... Um, adjust their electrolytes, bring it back into homeostasis. Okay. And what, where, what are the veins that we're using? As the podcast is titled Out on a Limb, it kind of gives it away a little bit that, that our peripheral therapy occurs outside of the trunk of the body. It, you're correct. These are not the core um, vessels of the body. Mostly you want to use site selection based on what it is you're going to be giving that particular patient or client. Mm-hmm. And these typically in the hand or the forearm. We like to avoid areas where um, there's a lot of nerves. Um, usually patients will say to you if they've had IVs before that um, they don't like them in the hand because sometimes they've had problems with hitting nerves, especially if you go in the the um, outer aspect of the um, the hand. Mm-hmm. You want to areas in the wrist or the lateral, especially in the inner part, the palm side, where those little tiny veins are. Cause those are extremely pain tender. But we we can look at cephalic or um, basilic veins. Um, like I said, digital veins we might want to stay away from a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, get veins that are. Um, palpable, that are not hard, that are visible. Most times, you know, you you may not have very visible veins, especially in a darker-skinned person, but if you can palpate and feel them, that should be um, good enough to, to be able to insert an IV in. But you do want to be mindful of any cubital areas. These you want to save for blood. Uh, draws or um, but if it's really an urgent or emergent situation. Okay, so what are some of our other indications that that we would need to actually do peripheral infusion therapy? 
Well, when we're giving medications and solutions that are, um, what I've said already, let me think, what I've said already is for TPN, well, we won't give TPN through the, the peripheral system. We'll give TPN through our core system or through peripherally inserted um, catheters, which mm-hmm. you pick or you'll give that through a central line or some other um, core type of catheter. We use the peripheral therapy for patients like, um, say we have pregnant patients who can't sometimes take in volume or have a lot of issues with uh, emesis, so we need to give them hydration. We have the elderly that a lot of times they dehydrate easily when they get fevers or they start with infections or coming with sepsis. Um, There's a delicate balance that we have to maintain with with the elderly. With children, they decompensate really quickly uh, when they tend to have fevers and get sick and usually need fluid resuscitation. Mm -hmm. We need um, alcoholics come in and we have to give them vitamin therapy through the IV. We call those banana bags. So oh, we've yeah. done that. We can use trauma patients. We use um, the IVs to give blood, to replace blood, to uh, give volume expanders. We do a lot of our therapy for antibiotics. Mm-hmm. Um, those are intermittent. Those can be once a day, can be... Uh, four times a day. Uh, we can give any number of, of different medications uh, to patients. Usually the desiccant-type medications, which is your chemotherapy-type medications, we try to give those uh, in central or core uh, veins if we if we have that available. Mm-hmm. And depending on what the desiccant is, we may not want to give it peripherally. Okay. So does the age of the patient or their health history factor in when we're deciding whether or not we want to give peripheral infusion therapy or if we need to go central? It does. Like I explained a little bit before, with the elderly, a lot of times your temptation is to put in the largest peripheral catheter you can put in because the thinking is um, they need something and we typically want to go as big as we can. With the mm-hmm. elderly, you have to give some a catheter bigger than, say, our typical is 20, 22, 24. If you have to go bigger than 20 in an elderly person, you might want to consider what it is we're giving them and what route would be best for them to have this because, in my experience, most times the catheter that is uh, 20 or larger does not do well in their veins. It collapses. They um, leak a lot. They fare really well with size 22, and you can give blood through a 22. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, some nurses tend to shy away from that because of tradition. Traditionally, we always say grab a 18, uh, which is the size that is standard to giving blood. But sometimes you'll have the elderly that may have a renal condition, renal failure. They may have uh, really bad heart condition, diabetes, even some bone dyscrasias, uh, which is lending them towards some cancers. And their vasculature may have been quite um, used prior to 
when you see them. And with this particular patient, you might want to consider, do I need to get something that will last and support therapy for a couple of days versus do I need this just for one day? Do I need a midline? Do we want to recommend a pick? Or do we want to um, ask that they get something like a port-a-cap put in? Okay, so what kind of um, devices are thought of when we when we talk peripheral vascular access? What are what are the devices we see? So the devices you see for the peripheral vascular access is typically your short catheter. It's usually um, one to one and a half inches long, and it is sized from. 24, which is what we normally put in our our babies or infants, through uh, 16 and even some 14s, which are very large. Usually those will be in trauma patients. Okay. Getting, um, that are giving blood or that we're having to um, take blood from. Okay. And you mentioned midlines. Uh, What can you tell us about midline catheters? Midline catheters are considered peripheral because they do not enter the central circulation. They stop uh, prior to uh, entering that circulation, but they are a lot longer than your typical peripheral catheter. They could be anywhere from um, 8 to 10 inches longer, and um, they will stop just before entering. Right, if, if they're inserted through the... Um, elbow area, antecubital area, antecubital fossa, it usually stops just before you get to the top of the um, the arm, mm-hmm. the shoulder area of the arm. Okay. And those then are, I mean, they still are considered peripheral because they do not, as you said, enter the central circulation. They stay outside of the core of the body. Yes. Great. They do not enter the vena cava. They do not enter the main of the heart vessels. They are still in the peripheral of the limb area of the arm. Okay. And um, what are some of the advantages of uh, peripheral infusion therapy? Like, why would we choose that over, say, oral medication? Is there a reason why oral medications may not be the, the drug of choice over peripheral infusion? Well, one reason that I can think of is if the patient cannot tolerate taking oral medication, then your benefit is to uh, have them have it infused. Okay. Uh, If they are able to take it orally, of course we don't need to give them um, peripheral medication. And also you have to look at does the medication that they need come in an oral form? That's Mm -hmm. another thing. If it doesn't come in an oral um, form, then they have to get it IV. Okay. And Sorry. <laughs> I understand that. It's easy to just go the short way, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so some of the disadvantages to peripheral infusion therapy, if, if um, they're receiving like they can't receive things orally and we're giving it to them through the IV, what what are some of our disadvantages? Disadvantage is maybe the location of where you have to place it. Disadvantage is pain. The disadvantage is they lose mobility mm-hmm. um, where, where you have that place, maybe some function. Um, 
The other disadvantage is you have to watch for complications, if they should um, get an irritation or inflammation there, which will be uh, phlebitis or infiltration or extravasation of the medication. Uh, that could impact their hospitalization. It could interrupt their therapy. Uh, a lot of times they can't, like I said, function. They can't eat or bathe or wash with that hand or go to the bathroom. So it just depends on where you have at the location, what their age is, what they're in the hospital for, because sometimes looking at that type of thing just it could bring them a little bit down, being mm-hmm. these extra things and they don't feel quite normal. And then they may not understand what it is and why you have it. So, again, another disadvantage is if they're not properly instructed on what it is they're doing. And then if you don't include them in the um the care, make some part of the um, care planning for that particular um, entity or that particular therapy that they're getting. Okay. What are some of the advantages of having a peripheral infusion therapy versus central infusion? Okay. With the central infusion, normally that has to be inserted by the surgeon or physician. A nurse cannot do that, so there's going to be uh, incurement of more cost. Um, there's a risk of air embolism more so with the central rather mm-hmm. than the peripheral. Um, it is a little bit more costly than your peripheral. Again, the nurse cannot insert that. The nurse can insert your peripheral line. Um, the mobility is... Um, maybe a little bit more restrictive with the central line. The care definitely uh, is a little bit more impacted as far as um, the the dressings with that. They're more prone to collapses, which is the uh, central line associated bloodstream infections okay. with the throat circulation. Okay. Um, so do we have any specific contraindications to peripheral infusion therapy? We do. We don't want to give uh, very viscous or vesicant solutions through that peripheral line. We don't want to give uh, total parenteral nutrition or TPN through that line. Um, With the peripheral line, you have to look at how long the patient needs to have the therapy. If it's going to be more than uh, several days to five days, you might want to think of something more long-term like the Mm -hmm. central um, catheters versus having the peripheral catheter. Okay. So we've covered quite a bit of information, but in wrapping this up, is there anything you'd like to offer our listeners um, about peripheral infusion therapy? Yes. I want to offer a few things. Um, Talk to your patient. Educate your patient about this. Even if they've had them before, they need to be instructed that the nurses to observe the the uh, IV, the infusion, and it's also part of their responsibility to report to us and to tell us when there is a problem or when something is wrong. Also, it's important that they do the assessment of the IV, and I had a mnemonic that I... Um, use and try to teach all the nurses um, that I encounter and the the students that I also teach, 
It's called KISS, and it's a method to help you remember. It's short. It's like kiss your care, kiss your IV care. And what you need to do here is you need to know that you have to inspect that site each day, each time you go on your shift, each time you go in the room, anytime. If you're doing hourly rounds, make that part of your hourly rounding. Mm-hmm. Make sure that the site is stabilized and, and secure that um, it's not going to be moving all around because that will cause some irritation and, and um, increase the chances of having a phlebitis or infiltrate. And then if there is no need to have that line, see about getting it removed. Get an mm-hmm. order to out if it's not needed. Um, those are some of the simple things that I would say that um, I would like to see nurses include in their head-to-toe assessments with patients. This is an important part of the patient care, and uh, most every patient you encounter will have some type of IV access. Be familiar with what that is, where it is, how long it needs to be in there, and what you can put through that line. Okay. And I will make sure that in our show notes we mention um, a link to your article, uh, The KISS Method of Peripheral IV Catheter Care. And I think I also have another one on teaching patients about their short peripheral IV catheters that I think our listeners would find interesting as well. So I will make sure, great, that those are in our show notes. Um, And and Dr. Spencer, I want to thank you again for joining us on your very long day and after all the teaching and reviewing and things you've done today. We appreciate it so very much. Well, I hope it was helpful. I enjoy sharing knowledge and each one teach one. And if someone hears this and they can pass on the KISS method to another fellow nurse and it's easy to help you remember, go in that room Look at that IV, make sure it's doing okay, make sure that patient is educated, and make sure that you're on top of it. Excellent. Very good words. Thank you indeed. Well, thank you. Many thanks again to our guest, Dr. Sharon Spencer, and thank you for listening to Talking in Vain. Be sure to follow INS on Facebook, on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. You can find other episodes of Talking in Vain and other INS podcasts in the Learning Center on the INS website. You can also download episodes from iTunes, also known as Apple Podcasts. Be sure to subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes and instantly receive new podcasts delivered directly to your device. Thanks. Take care.